you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. victory it sounds like victory it smells like victory and also legalization and they're having a great time out here welcome to buckets brought to you by FanDuel sportsbook my name is matt moore i'm the senior nba writer for the action network this is your nba finals miami heat versus denver nuggets game two best bets episode join me to talk about it first is jay money you can find him on twitter at jay money is money and on youtube jay give me your best bet for game two between the Nuggets and the Heat. Yeah, I was bouncing around from taking the points with the Heat. Heat team total over, but I will rock with the over. I think we see a little bit more free throws, a little bit more pace, and I expect the Heat uh, not to take so many long jump shots as well. So I do like the over 214, 214 and a half. So I think there's a lot of path to success uh, for that play. Yeah, I like this play as well. Um, I bounced around on the total because it did move down so much from game one to get to game two. But that was purely like a that was like a just a, a bookmaker adjustment and not a line move, right? It didn't open back up close to the, the original. It just like shifted down. Um, so they're clearly anticipating money on the under. I think that's kind of interesting because it's like, look, the Nuggets took a ton of twos because they were able to. Uh, the Heat shot a lot of threes, which will go in more often than than they did in game one. Um, pace was a really big thing in this. It was only 91. Both teams did a really good job in transition and both teams did a really good job in turnovers. It's not that necessarily like those two teams know that, that transition is really important. And those two teams know that turnovers are really important. It's that one team or the other is probably going to make a mistake in game two. Like there's going to either be more turnovers for one team or the other. That's going to lead to more transition opportunities for them to actually get to the rim. Um, and then the other thing here is I think like the, the heat, the heat called it out like jimmy butler i was in the presser last night and jimmy butler was talking about how look we we gotta get to the rim more like we gotta get layups and we gotta get free throws even though it's like well you know they need threes to keep up with this i think jimmy will make a concerted effort to attack a little bit a lot more at the rim he was really passive last night for whatever reason and when he draws free throws that's gonna push that total up he's gonna draw fouls and that's gonna get them in the bonus so i'm with you on this i think there's a lot of ways that this this gets there 
Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I kind of said Jimmy Butler kind of took a game off. We know that they came off game seven, but I mean he was super passive. He wasn't even trying to go to the um to the uh to the rim, which you never see from Jimmy Butler because he's gonna bait some fouls. Like that's just what he does. So it's kind of crazy. Maybe there was the fatigue setting in, maybe there was them getting used to the altitude. But I always say game two, and especially with two days in between the games as well, that's more time to practice, more time to prepare. Obviously, the Nuggets went out there and kind of tipped their, I mean, they not really tipped their hand, they just used their matchup advantages but now you know hey you can't be putting Gabe Vincent down there anywhere close to the blo uh, block or they're going to bully him Powell Lowry um I mean even Struess as well so now they kind of know what to avoid they know and if I'm not Miami Heat you're going to have to push the pace a little bit more I know that they like to be methodical I know the Nuggets aren't the best um defense uh, but it's really like if you get them in transition right Jokic is not the fastest guy running up and down the floor and he's not necessarily the best rim protector as well so you have to put pressure on the Nuggets defense at the rim. Jimmy Butler knows it. There's no way that they only shot uh, two two free throws in a game uh, to 20 as well. So I'm seeing more more drives to the baskets. Like you said, more fouls. If you get them in the penalty, then um, that's going to stop the clock. That's going to uh, lengthen the game even more. So I definitely think the Heat can get over 100, uh, 100 and 105 points in this one. And we saw it as well, Matt. The Nuggets just kind of went through a dry spell where they didn't even score for like three or four minutes. Which I feel like they could have put up 125 points if they they really didn't let their foot off the gas. That's the only thing that really worries me about the Nuggets. They don't really necessarily have that killer instinct to like, hey, let's go blow you out by 20 to 30 points. I think that should have happened in game one. They should have went over, the, over their team total, Matt, um, as yeah. well. They kind of were just messing around, man. But they, they could have put up 120 points easily, in my opinion. Kind of just started messing around, got too comfortable after halftime, after third quarter as well. Like, how do you let them open up the fourth quarter on 11-0 run? That should, that should never happen there. I don't think they scored for the first three minutes of the fourth quarter so i expect the nuggets to put their foot on the gas a little bit more score more points and i definitely expect the heat i mean matt they missed a ton of wide open threes but i was telling people that's the altitude you have to get used to that man like you're shooting it's not just the breathing it's your shooting in your legs as well so i expect both teams to shoot better maybe a tad bit more pace tad bit more free throws and we get over uh get over the total here all right, join me now, NBA Futures Analyst Brandon Anderson. Going to get you some more best bets. Then Brandon and I are going to talk a little bit more about the series. We'll get you some series best bets and a little bit more of a deep dive on the NBA Finals. Brandon, let's start with our best bets going into Game 2. I'll give mine here, uh, but first let's hear yours. What are your best bets for Game 2 Heat Nuggets? Yeah, I like the Nuggets. I'm going to isolate just to the first quarter. We'll talk about why. So I'll take the Nuggets first quarter spread. It's minus 2.5. And a couple of props here. I talked about these in my post-game one write-up. Max Struess, my man, hopefully does not go 0 of 9 again. I'll take his over on the threes, over one and a half, just minus 160. And then Michael Porter Jr. Got a couple of ways I want to talk through on him, but I think I'm going to go with Michael Porter Jr. double-double plus Ooh. 225. Interesting. Okay. Uh, all right, I've got two. I'm taking the over. Uh, Jay Money is on that as well. I'm also on the over uh, 214. I will go ahead and warn you that I'm going to play the first half under, and it's, it seems like it's a really narrow path. I am betting more on the combined total for 214 than I am on the first half under. So I'm going to do two units on the on the total over. One on the first half under is how I'm going to play this. The trend mm -hmm. has been really strong for the first half unders. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that. My other best bet is uh, you can find this in the market at FanDuel. It, the number for it is currently Miami Heat money line first half. 
plus 220. That's the best number you can get in the market. Heat, money line. So you've got Nuggets first quarter minus two and a half. <laughs> I've got Heat first half money line plus 220. Uh, I'm on that for a solid 2.5 units in this one. I like that play. Wow, we're, we're disagreeing. Did you know that sometimes we disagree on things? That happened. Someone on Twitter called us out for occasionally disagreeing. It's happening again. Can you believe it? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I understand like the the, <laughs> the point being presented uh, based off of the research. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, but in general, yeah, you and I are not going to, you and I do not agree often and that's what makes the show good. It would be very boring <laughs> There are shows that are just like, yeah, no, I like that pick. And if it's that all the time, I get bored with it. Uh, all right. Start me off with why you want the Nuggets minus two and a half first quarter. So really, I like the first half. I just narrowed to the first quarter. So so I'll just comfortably go head to head to you on first half. I, I'm going to guess, and we'll get into your take on it. I'm going to guess that this is a feeling... You know, th- this is kind of a desperation spot play of like, okay, Miami cannot afford to go down 2-0. They've got the adjustments that we'll talk through. I, I think all that is coming. I just don't think it's coming right away. I think right away, we're going to see a lot of what we saw in game one, which what I saw in game one was a bigger emphasis on bigger. Holy cow, did that stand out? Just watching live, man, everyone is like a half a foot taller, just putting dudes in the basket. Bigger, better, stronger, more rested, healthier. The Nuggets are just better. That's it. And in the first quarter, we're going to get the version of the game that we expect to get as much as we're going to. Jokic plays the whole quarter. Bam doesn't. Bam sits the last couple of minutes usually. So even if we're kind of close on this bet, or even if the Nuggets are trailing by a bucket or two, we might suddenly get down to like two minutes left in the quarter. And then Jamal probably goes out, but Bam goes out and we get Zeller or maybe Kevin Love or something. We'll get there. But I like our chances of kind of pulling this back from the brink if we needed to, even if Miami got the hot start. I just think Denver comes out and is the better team. And I'm specifically not playing the full game here. I don't mind it. I expect the full game cover to happen. But I'm not playing it because I'm giving Miami credit. I'm giving Miami credit of adjustments and pushing and playing for their season later in the game. I'm giving them credit for that in the second half. I'm even giving them a little credit in the first half in that if I like the first half, which was my initial play, why bother counting the second quarter when Nicole is sitting over on the bench? No, thank you. I'll just take my first quarter and get out of here, sir. Thank you very much. So that's how I got there. First quarter play. I think that it's Denver just is the better team early. And then Miami says, oh gosh, this again. Okay. The zone, the one, four, the three, two, Kevin Love, all the adjustments. Here's all the stuff. We got to do it all now. But I think it takes at least a little bit to get there. And by then, I like Denver to take the lead. Okay. All right. Um, I I disagree, clearly. This is partially based off of the pattern I've seen from Denver in these playoffs, which is they come out and that first game at home of whatever series it is, they're amped. They play with a lot of intensity. And honestly, this is like a lot of the story of game one, in my opinion, is that Denver didn't even execute that well. They just play with more force in and were better in game one. And that's how they built that big lead. And then they took their foot off the pedal. Like I asked a lot of folks last night to know the team well. I was like, how much of the fourth quarter was heat disruption and how much of it was the Nuggets took their foot off the pedal? And everyone that consistently covers Denver is like, how many times have we seen this? Where they're in the playoffs, where they're up huge and they just let their foot off the pedal and then like... The biggest problem I think with Denver is that they, they, there's two things. One, they don't want, they don't necessarily look to blow teams out. 
Like that's not something they are very Spursian in this regard. They are not the Warriors, but the Warriors were like, it's 20. Can we make it 40? Can we make it 50? <laughs> like they I've seen the Kurt best. play those guys in the third quarter up 30 before. And I'm like, what are you doing, Steve? It's over. Like, for the love of God, let it like they're already dead, Steve. Uh, the Nuggets are not built that way. Um, and that's not even Malone would do that. Malone would absolutely do that if he could, but the Nuggets don't do that. They they let off once they're up uh, plus 15, they start to back off just a little bit to conserve energy. And I thought I saw a lot of that in the fourth quarter. I've seen in game twos, they come out a little flat. The team hits them at half of their first, their game twos this postseason, plus 15 versus the Wolves, minus two versus the Suns, minus five versus the Lakers. They have trailed at half in two of the three and both since the first round in game twos. Now this is a three game sample. I get it. But this is also just like, I feel like I know the nuggets and how they approach these games. The other thing is I disagree with you. I do think Spose like talking to people that are in the proximity of the heat that know that team. Well, there were two people I talked to that were like, they know that they're at a disadvantage in this series. Like they will never admit that, but they know like from a top level perspective, they know that they are behind the eight ball here. And so I think that they have to, and Spo already threw out the one, two, two and Highsmith in the fourth quarter, which by the way, I comment on this in my article, Spo's a genius. I don't know why he did that. You got to save every, you cannot show them anything on tape for them to look at going forward. They are too smart. Like they're longer. They're more talented. I am telling you as someone that covers the team, all of those guys have high basketball IQ and that coaching staff drills details. They are not a that is, they are not a coaching staff that's like, yeah, no, we're going to go in and we'll do film and then we'll go play some golf. No, 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 no. That is, let's get in the lab for five hours and then we'll do a film session with the, with the guys. Like, so they are going to yeah, have a game. I, I want to ask a question on that real quick because I saw you say that and that was my initial thought as well. Is, uh, what are you doing? You're emptying the tank of all these things. You've shown all your cards. Miami gets to see all that film too. Is it possible that Spolstra is saying, you know what, Nikola Jokic is a basketball savant. He's going to figure this stuff out in real time anyway. Let me see the film. Let me try a few different things and see what might work and let me adjust to the film I get to see and be ready for honing in on the things that work best of my options. Yeah, I just think that the problem is, is that all of these like, like, this is one of the things that annoys me about so much of the conversations about coaching. These tricks, if you can beat them, once you figure out the triggers it's done now the Celtics don't have the personnel to do it like they just don't know they don't know how to do it like they just don't know how like they're not going to learn I don't know why but they're not going to learn how to beat this beat that zone like it's we have enough evidence over three years of the Celtics they don't know how to beat it the Nuggets do and so it's like even if you improve your execution like there were plays where Jokic got the ball in the middle and then like both teams kind of screwed up where Bam gave him too much space or Jimmy gave uh, Murray too much space and both, and then Jokic and Murray both backed away from them, like taking fadeaways instead of leaners. Like there's all these like little things that they can adjust. Um, so I've talked all about this, about all these things. So why am I on heat? I think they throw the kitchen sink at him. I definitely think that the heat come out with a lot more intensity. I just think that they're going to bring a high level of intensity and this stuff does matter. Like that's a cliche point. I'm telling you, when you get to this level of competition and you have teams that are this good, and even though like we think Denver is way better and I still do, and I think they're going to win the series, like Miami's execution level when they're locked in and at a high level, it still makes them really good. It makes up for a lot of their talent disparity. 
So they're going to come out and play with more physicality. I do not trust Denver to come out with like a let's kill them here. I think Denver probably is down. I think Denver, I actually kind of think Denver wins this game. I don't think they're losing. I think they won both of the games in which they trailed at half. But first half, here's the other one. I got some trends for you. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. The Heat, since 2000, in the last two postseasons, okay, uh, after a loss, have gone 10 and four straight up. And after a loss, they are 11 and three first half money line. Hmm. On the road, after a loss, four and two. They have been really good in these margins of being able to hit this 11 and three after a loss in the first half. Like, they just have a habit of finding themselves there. I think one of the things is like over the course of the 48, I think they're going to run into the same problems that you talked about, which is Denver is better. Like what we're basically, what you, all you and I are disagreeing on is the order in which these things occur. Yeah, it's one. That, that's what I was going to say. So I think we're making the same cap. I think we're seeing the same Denver takes their foot off the gas pedal thing. We saw it in, in fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You've seen it in, in a lot of games live covering the team over the years. We've talked about it. That's why I'm seeing the same thing as well. You're saying Denver gets up, takes their foot off the gas pedal. I see that happening in the series. So Miami comes out game two and gets the first half. I'm saying I think Denver comes out, gets the lead early, and then the foot off the gas pedal a little bit as Miami adjusts. Like I think you're playing it from a series angle, and I'm playing it just from a game two angle. Uh, Net rating by first quarter, this was a – Part of this was a spot I wanted before the series. Denver for the first quarter is plus 13.3 net rating for the playoffs, which is a ridiculous number. Miami is minus 1.3 and it's minus seven and a half on the road. So uh, it's just a spot that's not going to be great for Miami based on the trends and barring an injury or foul trouble or something, even then no fouls. I don't think it's going to take them out. I like about this bet more than anything else. I'm betting on, I'm basically betting a game that ends at the end of the first quarter that I know Nikola Jokic, the best player in the universe, is playing all 48 minutes of my 12 minutes, right? Like I get Nikola Jokic for all of my bet. So I think that's why I don't mind isolating here. Normally, you know me, I like the bigger sample, but uh, to me, I'm admitting the same thing you are, which is that I think Miami has a push here. And even those first halves you talked about in game two, I saw you talking about that on Twitter and it made me cautious on my bet. So I looked into it. Most of those games, well, again, there's only three. The the runs came where it got closer in the second quarter. And I'm going to guess without going back to look too close, probably in the non-Jokic minutes non-Jokic. where like I was surprised in game one, Jokic like hung out on the bench for like 15 minutes of real time in the second quarter. They were just like, 29 20 end of the first quarter look we're, we're good we're fine and and honestly and they were fine so uh, i maybe that's when it happens again that's why i want just the first quarter i know Jokic should be out there then so i i think we're on a similar page it's just a matter of when that miami push comes relatedly the angle that i want to watch this is a live angle for you and you know i'm not much of a live better if the game is close late going into the fourth quarter or maybe going toward clutch time if it's close, or if Miami is ahead by a little bit, I want to be ready to fire on Denver. I absolutely think the Nuggets win this game. In those game twos, the games where Denver kind of let the teams hang around, fourth quarter, plus 11, plus 13, plus 8. They decisively won those fourth quarters in games where they knew we go up 2-0 at home with Jokic, this series is probably a wrap. 
And I think this is the spot Michael Malone has kind of showed his cards in the spot where he knows, get this one, and we are close to clinching. And I think you go up 2-0 against a tired eight seed, no LeBron this time. Yeah. I think if you go up 2-0, you got to think you got the trophy. So I want to be willing to bet Denver live if it is close, if Miami's made their push. Even though the Heat have been so good late in games, so has Denver. I'll take the Nuggets there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's do the total and then I'll get into like some full game thoughts. Jay gave the cap on this and I think he's on, on point with it. I'll go ahead and like just give mine real quick. Um, 91 possessions in that in that game one. That is glacial. Like that is so slow. Um, and a lot of that, I want to give a lot of credit to both teams transition defense. Both teams were just like, no, 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 no. Which is like such a big emphasis because these are the number one and number two transition offenses in the playoffs. Um, Miami's actually number one. Denver was number one in the regular season. So like, you can't let them get out in transition. Duncan Robinson was phenomenal last night in transition defense. Couldn't hit a three to save a soul, one of five. But like his transition defense, he did such a good job against Bruce Brown, who puts so much pressure at the rim off of misses. That's their entire second unit offense. And Duncan Robinson did an excellent job of closing those off. Now I think Denver probably makes some adjustments in terms of how they run transition. And that's going to create a little, probably some more problems. The other thing is that when we looked at this, I, this like really stood out to me because it's such a big factor in the series. If Miami's going to win these the series, a game, etc., they got to force turnovers. Like they, they had, that's going to have to be the lifeblood for them. Um, Miami had a 92nd percentile turnover rate. They turned it over just 8.8% of the time in this game. Denver only turned it over 11% of the time. That's 78th percentile full season via cleaning the glass. We've got a 92nd and a 78th percentile turnover game. I'm not saying in game two that both teams are going to get sloppy. Maybe they both, maybe one of them is still really good. Variant says we're going to see a couple more random turnovers. I mean, to be quite honest, some of Denver's were pretty weird, right? Like that fourth quarter one where Jamal just lets Highsmith strip him and get the uh, yeah. and get the the put back. First play of the quarter. But like the turnover rate is likely to increase, which is going to increase your pace, which is going to increase your transition points, which is going to get there. They're gonna the, the Heat are going to force more free throws. Like one. Uh, how can I put this? I don't <laughs> think that there will be an adjustment game over game from the officials. Cause I really, I really don't, I genuinely do not believe that that's how this goes. Like the NBA is not going to dictate to them. It's bad optics of them having two free throws. 
it's just a different crew. It's a different crew every game. So like game two is yeah. going to be called entirely differently. And I will tell you that being in Jimmy Butler's presser, presser last night, that dude's going to get to the rim. I feel confident in that. Like Jimmy Butler is going to get to the rim. By the way, I have another best bet that I forgot, which is Jimmy Butler over 25 and a half. He's like, Jim, Jimmy's coming. Jimmy might be hurt. 25 and a half is a, like, that's down two points from his game one. Now we're getting into where I'm like, okay, guys, like this is still Jimmy Butler. I understand how bad he was. I actually didn't think that he looked hurt, Brandon. I just think he looked passive. Anyway, I like the over in this game. I think this is going to be an overplay. You don't play a lot of totals, but you have any thoughts on that? Well, here's my question. I I would lean under just because I was leaning under on the series coming in, but I don't do a lot of totals. I don't have a good, good play here. So I'm going to cede to you on your plays. First half under and the full game over. Have you given the cap on first half under? Did I miss that? So that one, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Just the trend, right? Just the trend. I know you. It's, it's strong. It's strong. The numbers are there and it's a real sample. So what's the trend right now? Uh, via Evan Abrams, who is our director of research and provides so much good stuff. Uh, over the past two seasons, the first half under is 107, 69, and three. It is ridiculous. Like, I, I I like, I will say this. It's weird that I'm taking it over here because in general, I like Nuggets home unders. I've played them a lot this season because Denver's defense is way better at home. They just like, they're more comfortable there. They're able to communicate better. Like they just, they play better at home. So their defense cranks up. However, I think first half, I think a lot of this is going to be, I, I honestly think a lot of this is on the cap of Denver. Like I, I thought about a Denver team total first half under, but then I was like, you're getting too specific. Just play the first half under. But I think Denver's offense honestly struggles a little bit more in the first half of game one. And then everyone's like, oh, everyone thought it was over. How about now? And then Denver wakes up and, and does their thing. But that's that's kind of the cap I have on this is that I do think Miami's okay. defense causes more turnovers, which lowers Denver's efficiency. Um, I do think that even with all of this, I think that the first half under, because of how it tends to be juiced, I want to go ahead and play the first half under still. Okay, so again, I'm gonna I'm gonna not comment on first half under full game over. I'm gonna see that those are the way this goes because I don't have a strong thought on it. I think that you're playing it wrong. I think that let me give you two options of a way you could play it in a way that's more advantageous to you rather than playing them both this way right now. Number one, you bet the first half under. Uh, am I right that you cannot bet a second half over under isolated right now going into the game? I don't think that's posted anywhere. I believe we actually do have that at some books. There are second half unders. In okay. So, so either, either you should bet just the first half under and just the second half over isolated from each other. Cause you're effectively betting a second half alternate over by playing the full game, assuming that the under happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So so either play a second half over separate because you're getting a way better line than you are effectively doing by doing a whole game plus a first half under. Like, I, I mean, the counter argument to what I'm saying is, yeah, but I could win one and not lose both. Okay, but win one and not lose both, you've, you've lost money still, right? You've still come out behind. So I guess I'm come out slightly I'm, behind, but I, I think either you do first half under, second half over, or first half under... And then halftime live, you bet the over and maybe there you play an alternate because you're going to get a much better number than what's there now. Or again, I'm not sure if a book allows this first half under full game over together, play them together because 
the same game parlay is going to give you credit for the logical inconsistency of the bet happening right now and is going to give you better juice combining those because they're gonna it's gonna know when you put them together that it needs to juice the price on it. So I think you need to account for, like you acknowledge the 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 logic is it's a tight path here. That's fine. It can still happen that way. I think you just need to allow yourself to bet it in a way that pays out accordingly. I hear you. Let me think on it. I'll see what I wind up putting in the app. Um, I still kind of lean towards the original play. I am going to play more towards the over than the first half under. Um, it's it is at both times a uh, to mitigate the damage. If I lose the first, if I lose the combined over, I don't see a scenario. I, I'll say this. I don't see a scenario. I see a very low percentage outcome of it being a first half over full game under. It's possible. Yeah. But like game well, script doesn't go that way. And you did say too, I believe a couple units on the full game, one unit on yeah. the, on the first half. So that also negates my like, well, you're just going to come out even and slightly lose because you're, you're hoping you're acknowledging which one you like better. So that that's maybe just the way to do it as well. Um, let's do props. I'll, I'll do Jimmy first here just to kind of knock this out. Being in the press and like, look, this is, you could say like, what is being five minutes in a guy in a room with a guy really matter, especially when he's facing a bunch of cameras just the way that he talked about it, because sometimes guys are very defiant where they're just like, Nope, I think I played right. I just shots didn't fall, you know, we'll be and Jimmy was like, we took a lot of jumpers. Jimmy Butler was like, we took a lot of jumpers. He's like, we can make those, but we took a lot of jumpers. Like it was a process answer from Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was basically like, it doesn't matter if we can hit those. I have to put more aggression on the rim. Like I got to put more pressure on them. He's like, we gotta get more layups and more free throws. And he's right because a lot of this is, and, and we'll talk about this when we get into kind of this, the series. Bam had 26 on 25 shots. Bam was great last night. I thought Bam battled. He was he played Jokic as well as you can in terms of fronting and trying to deny him and doing all this stuff. He was the second unit hub offensively. He did he made his shots. He was so good, and none of it felt impactful. He was a minus six. Like none of it felt the the Nuggets are just like cool, Bam. Good job. Like, and Butler's smart enough to know that. And Butler honestly was baffling to me in his approach. Like, he was just like, oh, I got Jamal Murray on me. I'm going to take two dribbles and then flip it to the outside. I was like, what are you doing? And he's <laughs> not comfortable against their drop coverage. But what he'll do more is instead of like, instead of accepting the pull up jumper, he'll lean more into, I'm just going to have to score through them. And I didn't, it did not look to me like he looked more spry to me, honestly, than he did at the end of the Celtics series. Um, it may have been the altitude just draining his legs. That happens to a lot of folks. It gets hard up here. But in general, uh, I think we'll see a more aggressive from Jimmy Butler. Like, I honestly think that even with free throws, this goes like just free throws alone. Not that he's going to have 26 free throws, but free throws. It'll be like, yeah. well, yeah, he may not have had a great game but he had eight free throws and that got, you know, he had eight free throws and 18 points otherwise. And that's enough to get us to 26. To me, this is not a no brainer. Nothing's a no brainer. We always talk about that, but like, I love the Jimmy Butler over 25 and a half here for game two. Yeah. I, I can't join you on this one. I actually have in my notes, the Jimmy Butler under, and I'm not going to play it. I decided against it, but I, I just, I just don't see it from Butler right now. And I, I understand that the look in the eye thing, yeah. but Jimmy Butler came into the arena last night with a shirt saying four more. And uh, that didn't happen last night either. So it's like Jimmy Butler believes everything Jimmy Butler believes. And that is what makes him great as a player. I just don't see it right now. And 
He, I don't think he's getting left. He hit a lot of front rim on shots. That to me is the telltale sign of a dude that's just tired and not getting lift on shots. Uh, I, if anything, I see an under 20 and a half is a plus 265. That's what I was wow. looking at as uh, look, he's under that in three of the last six games. He's at 16 or less in three of the last six. So I, to me, if I do just an alt and not the actual line is me saying, okay, yeah, sure. He could go with us. I, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of 50, 50 on the actual line. If he goes under, I think he goes way under. Way that under. was kind of the James Harden thing in that series too. Like if he's, if he can't get to 25 or 26, it's probably because he just didn't have it. Like he did in game one again. And I'll say this about the under in game one. I don't think I gave it out on the podcast, but I had it in my game one card on the article. He came out, he had a shot right away. He had a three, two minutes into the game. And I was like, well, lost that one. Jimmy looks fine. He's going to be good. And then I don't know what happened after that. That was very weird. But that's, that's he's, averaging, he's averaging 20.8 points in losses for the postseason. So I think this, if you want to play a Butler under, I suggested this in the same game parlay as the same game parlay in my article and didn't actually do it. I think you have to do it. If you want to play a Butler under, I think you have to play it with a Denver money line or something like if Butler's not scoring, especially if he's if he doesn't even get to twenty, then you have to bet Denver they as part win. of that bet. Just give yourself, they yeah, they're not winning if he doesn't get to twenty. So the foul thing, by the way, two free throws by Miami tied the fewest ever in any playoff game. No, not tied. It is the fewest ever. There was a three, and that's the only game with less than five free throws in NBA history. Eight fouls that Denver had tied the record for fewest fouls by any team, and two of those were offensive fouls. So six defensive fouls. I personally didn't feel like, oh man, Denver's just getting a great whistle here. I just didn't feel like Miami earned the fouls. Like I'm sure there were a few that could have gone the other way, but the, yeah, that's the settling for jumpers thing. There's two things. Well, it's not just settling for jumpers. They got great clean looks on the shots they wanted. So it's like, yeah, you know, that's true. Like, like fourth quarter, <laughs> they were getting dunks with nobody around. Bam. Like, you know, they were getting cuts and stuff. Like Denver's defense wasn't good in this game. Like that's one of the reasons I'm I'm as much as I'm I, you know, I'm playing a little a couple of angles towards Miami in game two. Like I feel more confident about the Nuggets minus one and a half series spread line and minus two and a half that I eventually bet. Like I just feel better about it uh, after game after because it's like Denver has everyone was like, well Miami can shoot better. I was like Denver can play better. Like Denver Denver's execute. <laughs> this is what's crazy is like Denver won yeah. this game by by double digits. I am telling you as somebody that has covered this team for eleven years and all of the Jokic era. That was a B game. That's it. No better yeah. than a B. Not just shot variants for Michael Porter Jr. Execution-wise, that was a B game from Denver. They got so much yeah. more in the tank. Um, let's yeah, that, that was that was my cap coming in the series. Is like I, I felt like Denver's floor was about Miami's ceiling. And this certainly was this was not a Miami ceiling game. That's why Denver won comfortably. Yeah. But I think that's the problem here is Miami has to close that much of a gap. And to, to the Miami will shoot better crowd, Miami made 13 threes and shot 33%. During the whole season of 82 games of data, Miami shot 34% on threes and made 12 per game. Miami did not shoot horrendously in this game. Miami shot exactly what their season averages were in this game. We're just warped because they apparently shoot 94% in all the other games this postseason. Well, like, this was not an outlier game for the Heat. This was a normal game for them. Yeah, like, I mean, here, here's a lot of it is like, uh, Gabe Vincent was two of two on contested looks and five of 12 on uncontested, which is 42%, almost all of those threes. Like if you take out Duncan Robinson, who Duncan's a good shooter, Duncan's a great shooter. You take out Duncan and Struess, Struess is 35% for his career, 37% this season. 
You take out those two guys. Like, Struis is a good shooter. He had a bad night. You take out those two guys, Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, all of those guys, those four dudes, 50%, all of them from three or better. So, like, this wasn't that the Heat didn't shoot well. Max Struess and Duncan Robinson didn't shoot well. The rest of the Heat, once again, shot above expectation. And so it's like it just kind of evened out in the end. It worries me that to the Miami will play better crowd again. Bam Adebayo had 26 and 13. Gabe Vincent hit five threes. Haywood Highsmith scored 18 points in 23 minutes off the bench. Those are black swan outlier events for the Miami Heat. Three of them happened and they were non-competitive from like the middle of the second quarter on the rest of the game. They they never threatened to win the game. So got to nine. Yeah. They got to nine fourth quarter. There was like a moment where the crowd was getting a little antsy. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. They cut it to nine once for I believe 34 seconds was the 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 length of it being within a single digits. Like again, you're still nine away. You're you're like you commented at the time, you're one run away. No, you're one run away from getting tied where you're still a heavy underdog because the Denver Nuggets are way better and at home and going to punch you back. Like you're also at nine points, one run away from it being 18 again and it's over. Yeah. And that's kind of the way that it went. So um, we talked about Struce. Let me get yeah. into my Struce threes prop here. So I like Struce over one and a half threes. I talked about this in my game one reaction. It's, just, it's a numbers play. The dude went 0 for 9. If you are a 37% shooter, the odds of you going 0 for 9 in the game are 1.5%. Like that that's that's the black swan outlier too, and just in the wrong direction. So this is how basketball goes. Variance happens. The odds of you hitting at least three in that spot is 71%. I'm only playing the over one and a half. The line dropped here because he was so bad. So I'm taking the juice. It's minus 160, but I only need two. If he gets nine shots up, the odds of a 37% shoot hitting two is 90%. So I will say this. I think I probably want this one at two. He has had three or more threes this postseason, uh, I believe five times, but all but one of those were against the Knicks. So I let me ask you this. My only concern here, I initially was going to do like an escalator play, get the two, go for three, maybe a four. Three is plus 165 right now. He didn't play barely at all. And he played the last like 20 seconds of the game. Highsmith took all his fourth quarter minutes. Struess went 0 for 9 in 21 minutes. <laughs> like that is insane inefficiency. Efficiency <laughs> yeah. is, is Struess a guy that can get played out of the rotation? And in particular, there's a chance Tyler Hero comes back for this game. Is Struis the guy that loses the minutes there? And do I at least need to wait to play this till we get Hero news? Oh, yeah. Um, I think you got two problems there. One, everybody kind of had their way with him defensively. Aaron Gordon got him on switches yeah. and punished him. Jamal he looks small. Him. He's just, he's tiny. Like they are, they're all tiny. Um, the it's Here's the problem. I genuinely think it's a coin flip between him and Caleb Martin who stays in the rotation. Like, I don't know what we're like. I think Highsmith plays more. I don't, I think, I think Highsmith plays more. I think Kevin Love plays more. I think Tyler, I still kind of think Tyler Hero plays game three. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I do too. I, I just don't understand bringing him back for a road game. If they do, then it is a sign that they're like desperate to win this game. The, the only, the only way it makes sense to me is 
I could see bringing him back for like 12 minutes off the bench. Like just play him the non-Jokic minutes and, and kind of like shake off the rust. So at least you get a more ready hero for game three when you need him. And you do that, you do that and it goes badly. And it's not like Tyler's going to get deterred in terms of like his offensive ability. No. But like it's a bad vibes thing for the team. If he comes sure. back and plays 12 minutes and then it's just like, it's a bad headspace. And you can work out of that in the regular season because you got time. Which you can't do in the in the in the finals, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think I think maybe just just play. I I think just playing the over here on Struce on the baseline. Yeah, is, that, that's no. the plan. I'm, I'm not playing the escalator. Yeah. Oh, and and again, depending on your book, some books only have the two and a half lines. Still, mm-hmm. I don't think I want the two and a half. I'm playing the safe version here. This is just chalk up a win. He's over. He's had two or more threes. Thirteen out of nineteen playoff games. So that's sixty eight percent. At minus 160, we need this to hit over 61% of the time. So I don't think I'll be too aggressive. I think I'll just try to get a win here. I'm surprised that you're like a little bit dubious on the MPJ double-double because this to me seems like an auto hammer. Yeah, I, no, I, I like the MPJ double-double. It's it's more that I like a lot of MPJ props and I try to figure out which one that I like. <laughs> yeah, I, he, he looks awesome. I, I, as somebody who's kind of scouted him since high school through college and to hear like, seeing the evolution of Michael Porter Jr. from a player that at one point was the number one pick. Like that, this was supposed to be a bona fide superstar player on an NBA team someday. Yeah. And you can see it. You can see the talent that's in there. But between the injuries he's had and, and the team that he's on, like you're not going to be number one on this team, buddy. Sorry, it's not happening. And it, like the the MPJ we've seen the last few weeks, last round and this round especially, to me is the evolution of a, of a guy who says, okay, I, I don't, it doesn't matter what I could have been. What I can be right now on this team is the, the, an incredible third player X factor that does all the stuff like the mismatch in every series. Michael Porter Jr. will be a mismatch against just about any team in some way or another, whether it's the threes or the size or the length, like whatever it is. So I like rebounds and threes here over two and a half threes is minus 135. He shot two of 11. I commented in my article, like, again, he's probably not going to sh- shoot two of 11 too often. 11 was his playoff high. I don't know that I love that number looking at it. He's only gone over two and a half, half of the playoff games, eight out of 16. I think if you want to do threes, you play four or more because when he hits, he really hits. He's only had two games on the playoffs where he hit three, but not at least four. So I, I backed off of that one. The rebounding, we've talked about this. Like we played this individually. We talked this on our series pod. We have Michael Porter Jr. over 6.7 rebounds per game for the series. And he had, what did he have, 14 in game one? He had all the rebounds. <laughs> he had so many rebounds. He had 13, two on offense, 11 defensive. So he led all players in rebounding chances in this game. He tied with Bam. Jokic was third in rebounding chances. That's weird. I don't think that's going to keep happening. But yeah, I like the rebounding. The line we're getting is eight and a half. So at first I was like, ooh, oh, we're, we're moving the line up already, I see. A little plus money on that. But it's plus 110 for eight and a half. Double-double is literally just one more rebound. He's not going to score single-digit points. So I'm already getting the 10 points. I need nine rebounds anyway. Why not just go to the double-double at plus 225? Like, I'm getting more than double my payout here. So, double-double my payout, I guess. He's had a double-double in six of the last nine games. He had three the entire regular season. (laughs) If that's not a clear indication of 
him playing to his size and accepting the role and, and doing the things he can do. I don't know what else there is. He's 15 points, 9.4 rebounds during that stretch. So I like the double-double plus 225. I think that's probably my favorite prop this game. This is like a, a narrative thing. They've really reinforced that too, not just from a coaching standpoint. Yeah. Malone has constantly called him out for how what he's done like positively for the things that he's contributed and how he's sacrificed. Like the players, I will I will there was a there was a situation with a player that's no longer on the roster. And one of the things that got involved in that those internal conversations with the Nuggets was the players in the locker room pointing at Michael Porter Jr. and being like, look what he's sacrificed. Like, mm-hmm. look what he's given. That guy is an elite scorer, but look what he's doing because it helps us win. MPJ has said since day one, he just wants to win. A lot of guys say that, but they only want to do it on their terms. That kid has done it. Like, he has sacrificed. Yeah. He awesome. has done what they have asked of him. Um, and also, they don't, again, they can put Kevin Love in there. I don't think it changes the equation. They can put Highsmith in there. He's still 6'5". There's no answer for his rebounding. Like, yeah. the only way that he doesn't go over on the rebounding prop and that they don't get, and, that, and again, 9 to 10, you're right on the double-double. I'll play that one too. Like, I'm going to play the over. Right now, FanDuel, the 8.5 is plus 108. So I'm getting plus money on the over 8.5 over eight when it's only bumped up one after he had 14 in game one. I'll play the double-double as well. But, like, I, I just – the only way that he – the only way that, that he doesn't get those rebounds is that they he do not miss enough shots for him to get those rebounds. <laughs> or, or the Nuggets, to be fair. I, that could take away a few offensive chances too, but – I want to ask you about one more Nuggets prop that the numbers look good to me. I don't feel good about it instinctively, and I need your instincts on it because you know the team better than me. Yeah. So Jamal Murray tied with Jokic in potential assists on this game. Uh-huh. Th- that I-, I didn't feel that. It felt like Jokic was was racking things up really? early. Yeah. So they both had 17. 17 potential assists is a lot more than I would expect from Jamal Murray. So he had 10 assists in the game. I believe I saw he and Jokic, first teammates in the finals, only a second teammates ever in finals history, Magic and Worthy were the other two that had 25 points and 10 assists in the same game. So pretty good in your first finals game. Not bad. So he had 10 assists on 17 potentials. His over-under is either five and a half or six and a half at books. Six and a half to the over is plus 116. If I'm getting 17 potential assists and we say, usually you're going to convert half of those, that's eight and a half, nine assists. Like, how are we sitting in a line of five and a half or six and a half? And I, I didn't see it. I didn't feel it watching. I, I didn't normally on props, I make notes and I come away thinking like, ooh, like I noted Jamal Murray, he's getting a lot of rebounds. That size is looking good. Maybe that's the thing on the assist too. Maybe he's just bigger and getting to angles that Miami can't defend. Should we be playing Murray assists? Because I didn't really see it, but the numbers are really strong here. How many assists did he have last night? 10? He had 10 assists on 17 potentials. And the remember the 17 is I was an estimate as well, but usually pretty close. Okay. 40% of those are to Nikola Jokic uh, of those assists. That's how many. So four of the 10, yeah. Four of the 10 go to Nikola Jokic. That's honestly low. And they're still going to run a ton of this two-man game at him. Like this is one of the reasons why Jamal will have like high assist games when he doesn't feel like he's actually like managing the game very much is because they're just spamming pick and roll and it's just bounce past Nicola floater bounce past Nicola turn yeah. like he's getting a lot of credit on those assists so I would tell you like that's not going away the Heat do not have a they don't have an answer for the two-man game they tried everything in game one they switched it they played zone they did this they did that Mm-mm. nope 
This is the best two-man game in the NBA right now. There is no better combo of two players working off of each other than Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. It is the best two-man game in the NBA. So that's honestly, you can get five with just Nikola and Jamal. Just Jamal passing to Nikola can generate yeah. five assists in this game. So I would tell you that, like, yeah, I do like the over on assist there. One final one I want to throw out there because I forgot to mention this one. Uh, I'm on Gabe Vincent over 16 and a half points and assists. Uh, this is a really great series for for Gabe Vincent. I I like this from the beginning. The Nuggets are going to dare him. Like you have to, you have you can't play at the level on everything. You're going to be running off too much. They're they're playing a little bit of drop versus Gabe Vincent. He'll take those shots off of the bounce and he'll hit them. Um, he will find spot up threes and he will have. He actually made some really high level passes out of the double coverage. He made a beautiful pass to Max Struess. It's on my Twitter uh, at HP Basketball. A laser to Struess. He missed it. Because Max couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat last night. But in general, Stru- like Vincent's making the reads. He's a high-level player for this matchup. I don't like the matchup for the Heat in the series, but Vincent among the guys is is like Vincent and, and Bam are the two guys I like the most in this matchup. And <laughs> guess what? They both had really good game ones. Those are going to be there in game two. Um, Jimmy's going to take some of those those opportunities away. But when we look at like the overall context of the game and how many opportunities he's going to have, like, you know, Gabe Vincent in game one um, had finished this game uh, with 19 points and five assists. We're talking about 24 versus a 16 and a half line. Like there's room for better assist. If Struz can hit some threes, even if Gabe doesn't get as many shots up. And I think Gabe will still get shots. I like over Gabe Vincent, 16 and a half points and assists. Yeah, the number I like most about Vincent, other than obviously five threes in game one, is 38 minutes. That really surprised me checking it out. I mentioned Struess only 21. Gabe Vincent did not get played off the court because he's a really good defender. Like when when he was out the one game last series, that was a big thing that happened is his defense was missing. I don't think he, I think he belongs out there. I think you're right. So just, just the volume that he's going to have and the chances he'll get, I, I don't mind that one too much. I, I want to ask again on the on the hero thing even if it doesn't happen in game two where do heroes minutes come from well let's say at some point this series he starts getting 25 minutes a game who who are the 25 minutes coming away from are they coming because it ties to your vincent one here do any of those 38 minutes theoretically go to hero or is it coming from Struce? is it coming from highsmith or from kayla martin where are they where are they going to hit because there's probably an angle we can play on a series bat or something accordingly. So this is one where I got to think through it. Uh, the talk from heat fans has been that Caleb Struess and Duncan will lose minutes when hero comes back because it's effectively, you're taking away oh, like hero is more built as a wing shooter that plays more on ball. I don't, ex- I actually don't expect Gabe to lose a lot of minutes when hero comes back, even with hero being a primary ball handler, because Gabe can play next to him and they'll just play Jimmy bigger. Uh, that Mick that meshes with the second half adjustment after Aaron Gordon stuffed Caleb Martin and Max Struess into a trash can and hit it with a baseball bat. <laughs> they put Jimmy Butler on Aaron Gordon full time. Cause they were just like, yeah. we got to, we just got to put size on him. We can't do anything else, which by the way, that sucks for them. Cause now you don't have Jimmy to, to try and deter <laughs> and wear down Jamal. Yeah. Martin. 
Yeah, the Heat yes. will be great this series as long as Jimmy Butler just guards Aaron Gordon and also defends Jamal Murray and also attacks the basket and also yeah. scores thirty. They'll be fine. Same thing with does Bam. All those things. If if Bam can can anchor the second unit and be the primary scorer and take the most shots and have the most rebounds and defend defend the best player <laughs> on the planet who has him beat by about fifty five pounds should be easy work uh, for Bam out of bio. Um, <laughs> I think that that's what happens. You may tr- get to a situation where you're like, you can't have Gabe and Hero and Jimmy at power forward at six seven, and then like one of those other dudes, yeah. even, even Highsmith. You know, like even Highsmith, we yeah, can't it, get, get there. Hero feels like the smallest of these dudes too. Like if we saw the size advantage before, I I worry that he could just get really hunted defensively the they moment also, he steps out there. I, I think part of this may be, and Spo just tends to do this. Like Spo's not going to be like, like Spo tried Zeller last night. He he tried it and it got destroyed. No. Right? It did so not go well. <laughs> they may have to just be like, we just have to. Like we don't have any option. Our bigs aren't good enough. We just got to go small. Like we just have to yeah. go. Even if we're just getting killed, I think so. we just have to have more offense. Yeah, I think I think go small and go offense. I think it's like, well, if we can't really stop them on defense anyway, we may as well get Kevin Love shooting out there and Tally yep. Heroes shoot. Like we, we're just gonna have to try to outscore him. And good luck to us on that, but it's not really working the other way anyway. So we may as well go for it. Um on the series, the prices have appropriately shifted after a game one win. That's gonna happen and a double digit. Game one win, both of those things wind up impacting how these series are are kind of looked at. Um, series price now at FanDuel, Heat plus two and a half is plus 106. This annoys me, <laughs> Brandon. I understand that it's like, well, they did win and it's the certainty. I understand it. It's just like, this is what I wanted pre-series. I wanted a <laughs> plus number on Heat plus two and a half and a, and a small minus number on Nuggets minus one and a half. And that's what I wanted to bet. But I don't want to take it, but like, the Nuggets were nine point favorites in game one, and I still was having to pay a minus number on the plus two and a half. They did exactly what was expected, and now it's a plus 106. It's really annoying. Um, so why, why don't you want it? Why don't you just bet that right now? If that's the bet that you wanted, to me, Denver, I don't think the series price should have barely shifted at all. Denver just won the game they were most certain to win in the series, in my opinion. We found out very little from a serious standpoint. I, I think one of the reasons that the more I got into it, like I went from like, yeah, Heat and I went from like Nuggets and six to like nuggets and five to like, I'm not going to bet it, but boy, that sweep number looks good. Like I think yeah. everyone kind of agrees. Like nobody wants the only one guy I know picked a sweep Harrison went over a DMVR. Nobody wants to pick a sweep because it just feels so insulting to what the heat have accomplished. Like you just don't want to do that. You just, this is something I really struggle with as a media guy. There's a lot of things I struggle with as a media guy, but like one of the things I struggle with is <laughs> is you want to give credit because you watch this sport and you understand how good these guys are. And I'm in that locker room and I'm talking to these guys. So I understand, like, like I know how good they are. And like, I do know how tough it was to beat the Bucks. I do know how tough it was to beat the Celtics. I do know that they had to beat the, beat, beat the Knicks. So they had to spend their time there. Like, I know all these things, but like from an analysis standpoint, we leaned heavily towards these shorter outcomes because of everything we saw in game one. I don't want to bet it now. And the reason I don't want to bet it now is it does feel like it's an overreaction. Like, even if if the market is overreacting to a game one win that we expected, right, I don't want to get involved into, like, trying to figure out whether I, – I don't want to – I don't want to try and determine whether game one was indicative or not. Like, I don't want to take game one as, like, a guiding post versus the pre-series because it's entirely possible that game one also fits our model that the Nuggets are going to win this thing in less than six games, right? 
Like right. game one fits that paradigm exactly. So why, even if I'm getting a plus number, I'm not getting plus 200, I'm getting plus 106. So like, I don't want to bet it. I'm just annoyed at how the market kind of developed it. Um, what are your thoughts on overall? Wait, so, so allow me, allow me to overreact for you. Okay. I've got, I've got two series bets. One, one's just a little prop. I'll get to that in a second, but here's my fun one. So it's a little nibble. I already played the the series, the sweep on the series at plus 600 before that obviously is long gone. Now I put the sweep at about 26% right now, effectively plus 300. That's pretty close to the number you're seeing at book. So I don't see much value in it. However, there's a book offering right now. Denver to win every game in the series, which obviously means a sweep by 10 or more points. <laughs> I'll play it. It's plus 2,200. Here's the math. Denver is an eight and a half or nine point favorite for game two. So I'm effectively betting on a cover in game two. That's all that that is. Like I'm effectively taking a 50, 50 bet in game two, a bet that I said already that I lean that direction. And then to me, here's where it gets interesting. Game three is going to be, I mean, game three is the classic empty the tank, down 2-0, coming home, all of that. If we get there, assuming, like, if my bet's still alive, down 0-2, it's in Miami. The chance of Denver winning that one by double digits, I admit, is not high. I gave it 20% on my model. Maybe that's even still a little high, but I like Denver a lot in the series. If they do that, and Denver has now won all three games by double digits, I'm sorry. I know heat culture, and I know all the stuff, you're just beat at that point. You're done. Like you understand what is happening to you. There's no more, like, I'm not saying you quit, but that the line is going to be something like, like, what, what do we think if Denver wins game two, what's your guess at a game three line in Miami? Are the heat favored? No, no, they're not. So Denver by like a point or two. Uh, heat were minus or Celtics were minus three. I think with the upgrade, we're at the same number. I think the Nuggets have been upgraded to the to the level of the Celtics. So I think it's Nuggets minus three in Miami. That's okay. a point move on home court. Okay. So if Denver wins that game by double digits, or my bet is dead, Denver wins convincingly in Miami in game three. That line's got to go to like Denver minus seven or something, right? Like they have to juice it a bunch more. So now I really, I'm betting on a Denver cover in game two an outlier game three example. But once that happens, I'm going to have a hedge basically on a cover for Miami in game game four if I need to. I just, I feel like if I can get the game three outlier outcome and I like Denver enough to give them credit for it, then I feel like game four, I, I probably have a better than a coin flip chance in my favor there. So to me, the, the, here's the pricing. I, I'm giving this about a six or 7% chance plus 2,200 gives me a 4.3% implied. So this is... This is one where Jim Turvey and I tell you, if we just keep doing it enough times, we'll come out ahead at the end of the day. We're probably going to lose, but we'll come out ahead if we keep doing it. So if you think like the pricing implies 45% effectively in, in this game, 20% game two, 50-50 in game three, I'm a little higher in all three of those numbers. So 22 to one, I think it's too long. It's my way of playing a sweep where Denver is just that good and Jokic is just that good. Uh, let me do real quick the other prop that I have. It's, it's just a math prop. Jimmy Butler to hit at least one three in every game. It's plus 450. I just saw that. I was not hunting for this. This is just me scrolling all the menus and all the books, looking at the prices. Plus 450 seems too long in part because, again, you and I are expecting a short series. He already hit one the first game. I think there's a chance he only has to hit three more threes for this to hit at plus 450. 
one in game two, one in three, and one in four. Here's the easy math on it. If it's a sweep, he's a 33% shooter. So just consider one in three. He only took two shots in game one. He made one of them, two threes. If it's a sweep, we need this to be at least two attempts per game. That implies 17%, which is basically the math we're getting. All we need is two attempts per game in a sweep for this to at least come out even in our favor. If it goes three attempts per game, then it, we can get up to six games. We're still the math in our favor. Outside of the next series, he's averaging four threes a game this, this postseason. So the math just is in our favor. He's hit at least one in over half of the postseason games. Plus 450, it's a math play for me. It's also a play on, I just still don't think Butler can be aggressive enough attacking. And I think he settles and, and takes a shot that Denver is going to be like, yep, go, go for it, Jimmy. Show us you can hit Brandon's bet. I'd like to see you try it. So Butler at least one three every game plus 450. Let's hope for a short series on it. I think Denver wins a series. I love how Denver wins a series pre-series. We bet it on that. I will say, like, I, I am I am still going to be, like, a little reticent to compl- – you are – you have always been ready the last two years to go against Miami. <laughs> um, I am always a little bit more, like I, – I, I have appropriate fear. Is what hey, I'm hey, come, all right. I'm going to push back here. I picked the Heat to beat the Knicks in this series. You took New York. Yeah. I picked the Heat plus two and a half, one and a half, and minus one and a half against Boston. You stopped at two and a half. I gave Miami more credit in each of the last two series than you. That's true. I'm ready to bury them. I'm ready to be done. I'll own that. But give me some credit for that's giving true. the Heat some credit, too. That's I just true. think this is the wrong matchup. I don't know what I was thinking in that Knicks series. Like That's when I go back and I'm just like, what was I doing? <laughs> like, the minute that you were like, it's Tom Thibodeau versus Eric Spolster, I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. Got lots of bets for you. We will be back after game two. We will record that on Monday before I head to Miami for game three. Make sure to check out all the great stuff on the Action Network and the Action Network app. There are uh, editions of Action Island where we vote on various props. Make sure to check that out with Chris Raybon and Sean Little. Uh, WNBA episodes coming next week as well. Make sure to check all those st- that stuff out. Brandon and I both have articles up in the app and on the web. Go to actionnetwork.com. I thanks to David Payne, our producer. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.